0: What you are about to listen to was created with an artificial voice for the audiobook initiative on Sermon Audio. There may be mispronunciations or occasional repetitions. To report a mistake, please email us at info at sermonaudio.com and include the sermon ID or title of the message and the time at which the error occurs. We will do our best to get it corrected for future listeners grace abounding to the chief of sinners or brief relation of the exceeding mercy of god in christ to his poor servant john bunyan enters into fellowship with the church of christ at bedford in which he afterwards became a ministering elder Now I shall go forward to give you a relation of other of the Lord's dealings with me, of his dealings with me at sundry other seasons, and of the temptations I then did meet with all. I shall begin with what I met with when I first did join in fellowship with the people of God in Bedford. After I had propounded to the church that my desire was to walk in the order and ordinances of Christ with them, and was also admitted by them, While I thought of that blessed ordinance of Christ, which was his last supper with his disciples before his death, that scripture, this do in remembrance of me, was made a very precious word unto me. For by it the Lord did come down upon my conscience with the discovery of his death for my sins. And as I then felt, did as if he plunged me in the virtue of the same. But behold, I had not been long a partaker at that ordinance, but such fierce and sad temptations did attend me at all times therein, both to blaspheme the ordinance and to wish some deadly thing to those that then did eat thereof, that, lest I should at any time be guilty of consenting to these wicked and fearful thoughts, I was forced to bend myself all the while to pray to God to keep me from such blasphemies and also to cry to God to bless the bread and cup to them as it went from mouth to mouth. The reason of this temptation I have thought since was because I did not, with that reverence as became me, at first approach to partake thereof. Thus I continued for three quarters of a year and could never have rest nor ease. But at last the Lord came in upon my soul with that same scripture by which my soul was visited before and after that I have been usually very well and comfortable in the partaking of that blessed ordinance, and have I trust therein discerned the Lord's body is broken for my sins and that His precious blood hath been shed for my transgressions. Upon a time I was somewhat inclining to a consumption wherewith about the spring I was suddenly and violently seized with much weakness in my outward man insomuch that I thought I could not live. Now began I afresh to give myself up to a serious examination after my state and condition for the future and of my evidences for that blessed world to come. For it hath, I bless the name of God, been my usual course, as always, so especially in the day of affliction, to endeavor to keep my interest in the life to come clear before my eye. But I had no sooner began to recall to mind my former experience of the goodness of God to my soul, but there came flocking into my mind an innumerable company of my sins and transgressions, amongst which these were at this time most to my affliction, namely my deadness, dullness, and coldness, and holy duties, my wanderings of heart. Of my wearisomeness in all good things, my want of love to God, His ways, and people with this, at the end of all, are these the fruits of Christianity? Are these the tokens of a blessed man? At the apprehension of these things, my sickness was doubled upon me, for now was I sick in my inward man, my soul was clogged with guilt. Now also was my former experience of God's goodness to me quite taken out of my mind and hid as if it had never been nor seen. Now was my soul greatly pinched between these two considerations. Live, I must not die. I dare not. Now I sunk and fell in my spirit and was giving up all for lost. But as I was walking up and down in the house, as a man in a most woeful state, that word of God took hold of my heart. Ye are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But, oh, what a turn it made upon me. Now was I as one awakened out of some troublesome sleep and dream, and listening to this heavenly sentence, I was as if I had heard it thus expounded to me Sinner, thou thinkest that because of thy sins and infirmities I cannot save thy soul. But behold, my Son is by me, and upon him I look, and not on thee, and will deal with thee according as I am pleased with him. At this I was greatly lightened in my mind and made to understand that God could justify a sinner at any time. It was but his looking upon Christ and imputing of his benefits to us, and the work was forthwith done. And as I was thus in a muse that Scripture also came with great power upon my spirit, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us, etc., now as i got on high i saw myself within the arms of grace and mercy and though i was before afraid to think of a dying hour yet now i cried let me die now death was lovely and beautiful in my sight for i saw we shall never live indeed till we be gone to the other world oh me this life is but a slumber in comparison of that above At this time also I saw more in those words, Heirs of God, than ever I shall be able to express while I live in this world. Heirs of God, God Himself is the portion of the saints. This I saw and wondered at, but cannot tell you what I saw. Again, as I was at another time very ill and weak, all that time also the tempter did beset me strongly, for I find he is much for assaulting the soul when it begins to approach towards the grave. Then is his opportunity laboring to hide from me my former experience of God's goodness also setting before me the terrors of death and the judgment of God, insomuch that at this time through my fear of miscarrying forever, should I now die? I was as one dead before death came, and was as if I had felt myself already descending into the pit. Me thought, I said, there was no way but to hell I must. But behold, just as I was in the midst of those fears, these words of the angels carrying Lazarus into Abraham's bosom darted in upon me, as who should say, So it shall be with thee when thou dost leave this world. This did sweetly revive my spirit and help me to hope in God, which when I had with comfort mused on a while, that word fell with great weight upon my mind, O death! Where is thy sting, O grave? Where is thy victory? At this I became both well in body and mind at once, for my sickness did presently vanish, and I walked comfortably in my work for God again. At another time, though just before, I was pretty well and savory in my spirit, yet suddenly there fell upon me a great cloud of darkness, which did so hide from me the things of God and Christ, that I was as if I had never seen or known them in my life. I was also so overrun in my soul, with a senseless, heartless frame of spirit, that I could not feel my soul to move or stir after grace and life by Christ. I was as if my loins were broken or as if my hands and feet had been tied or bound with chains. At this time also I felt some weakness to seize upon my outward man which made still the other affliction the more heavy and uncomfortable to me. After I had been in this condition some three or four days, as I was sitting by the fire I suddenly felt this word to sound in my heart, I must go to Jesus. At this my former darkness and atheism fled away, and the blessed things of heaven were set within my view. While I was on this sudden, thus overtaken with surprise, wife said I, is there ever such a scripture? I must go to Jesus. She said she could not tell, therefore I sat musing still to see if I could remember such a place. I had not sat above two or three minutes, but that came bolting in upon me and to an innumerable company of angels, and with all Hebrews the twelfth, about the Mount Sion was set before mine eyes. Then with joy I told my wife, Oh, now I know, I know, but that night was a good night to me. I never had but few better. I longed for the company of some of God's people that I might have imparted unto them what God had showed me. Christ was a precious Christ to my soul that night. I could scarce lie in my bed for joy and peace and triumph through Christ. This great glory did not continue upon me until morning. Yet that twelfth of the author to the Hebrews was a blessed scripture to me for many days together after this. The words are these, Ye are coming to Mount Sion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Through this blessed sentence, the Lord led me over and over, first to this word and then to that, and showed me wonderful glory in every one of them. These words also have oft since this time been great refreshment to my spirit. Blessed be God for having mercy on me. A brief account of the author's call to the work of the ministry. And now I'm speaking my experience. I will in this place thrust in a word or two concerning my preaching the word and of God's dealing with me in that particular also. For after I had been about five or six years awakened and helped myself to see both the want and worth of Jesus Christ our Lord and also enabled to venture my soul upon him, some of the most able among the saints with us, I say the most able for judgment and holiness of life, as they conceived, did perceive that God had counted me worthy to understand something of His will in His holy and blessed word and had given me utterance in some measure to express what I saw to others for edification. Therefore they desired me, and that with much earnestness that I would be willing at some times to take in hand in one of the meetings to speak a word of exhortation unto them. The which, though at the first it did much dash and abash my spirit, yet being still by them desired and entreated, I consented to their request, and did twice at two several assemblies, but in private, though with much weakness and infirmity, discover my gift amongst them, at which they not only seemed to be, but did solemnly protest as in the sight of the great God. They were both affected and comforted and gave thanks to the Father of mercies for the grace bestowed on me. After this, sometimes when some of them did go into the country to teach, they would also that I should go with them. Where, though, as yet I did not, nor durst not make use of my gift in an open way, yet more privately still, as I came amongst the good people in those places, I did sometimes speak a word of admonition unto them also the which they as the other receive with rejoicing at the mercy of god to me ward professing their souls were edified thereby wherefore to be brief at last being still desired by the church after some solemn prayer to the lord with fasting i was more particularly called forth and appointed to a more ordinary and public preaching the word not only to and amongst them that believed but also to offer the gospel to those who had not yet received the faith thereof about which time i did evidently find in my mind a secret pricking forward thereto though i bless god not for desire of vain glory For at that time I was most sorely afflicted with the fiery darts of the devil concerning my eternal state, but yet could not be content unless I was found in the exercise of my gift unto which also I was greatly animated not only by the continual desires of the godly, but also by that saying of Paul to the Corinthians, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of achaian and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints that ye submit yourselves unto such and to every one that helpeth with us and laboureth by this text i was made to see that the holy ghost never intended that men who have gifts and abilities should bury them in the earth but rather did command and stir up such to the exercise of their gift, and also did commend those that were apt and ready so to do. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. This scripture in these days did continually run in my mind to encourage me and strengthen me in this my work for God. I have also been encouraged from several other scriptures and examples of the godly, both specified in the Word and other ancient histories. Wherefore, though of myself, of all the saints the most unworthy, yet I, but with great fear and trembling at the sight of my own weakness, did set upon the work, and did according to my gift and the proportion of my faith, preach that blessed gospel that God had showed me in the holy word of truth, which when the country understood, they came in to hear the word by hundreds, and that from all parts, though upon sundry and divers accounts. And I thank God he gave unto me some measure of bowels and pity for their souls, which also did put me forward to labor with great diligence and earnestness, to find out such a word as might, if God would bless it, lay hold of, and awaken the conscience, in which also the good Lord had respect to the desire of his servant. For I had not preached long before some began to be touched by the word, and to be greatly afflicted in their minds at the apprehension of the greatness of their sin, and of their need of Jesus Christ. But I at first could not believe that God should speak by me to the heart of any man still counting myself unworthy yet those who thus were touched would love me and have a peculiar respect for me and though I did put it from me that they should be awakened by me still they would confess it and affirm it before the saints of God they would also bless God for me unworthy wretch that I am and count me God's instrument that showed to them the way of salvation wherefore seeing them in both their words and deeds to be so constant and also in their hearts so earnestly pressing after the knowledge of jesus christ rejoicing that ever god did send me where they were then i began to conclude it might be so that god had owned in his work such a foolish one as i and then came that word of god to my heart with much sweet refreshment The blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. At this, therefore, I rejoiced, yea, the tears of those whom God did awaken by my preaching would be both solace and encouragement to me. For I thought on those sayings, Who is he that maketh me glad but the same which is made sorry by me? And again, though I be not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For the seal of mine apostleship are ye in the Lord. These things, therefore, were as another argument unto me that God had called me to and stood by me in this work. In my preaching of the word, I took special notice of this one thing, namely that the Lord did lead me to being where his word begins with sinners that is, to condemn all flesh, and to open and allege that the curse of God by the law doth belong to and lay hold on all men as they come into the world because of sin. Now this part of my work I fulfilled with great sense, for the terrors of the law and guilt for my transgressions lay heavy on my conscience. I preached what I felt. What I smartingly did feel, even that under which my poor soul did groan and tremble to astonishment. Indeed, I have been as one sent to them from the dead. I went myself in chains to preach to them in chains, and carried that fire in my own conscience that I persuaded them to beware of. I can truly say, and that without dissembling, that when I have been to preach, I have gone full of guilt and terror, even to the pulpit door, and there it hath been taken off. And I have been at liberty in my mind until I have done my work, and then immediately even before I could get down the pulpit stairs, I have been as bad as I was before. Yet God carried me on, but surely with a strong hand, for neither guilt or hell could take me off my work. Thus I went for the space of two years, crying out against men's sins and their fearful state because of them, after which the Lord came in upon my own soul with unstayed peace and comfort through Christ, for He did give me many sweet discoveries of His blessed grace through Him. Wherefore now I altered in my preaching, for still I preached what I saw and felt. Now, therefore, I did much labor to hold forth Jesus Christ in all His offices, relations, and benefits unto the world, and did strive also to discover, to condemn, and remove those false supports and props on which the world doth both lean, and by them fall and perish. On these things also I stayed as long as on the other. After this, God led me into something of the mystery of union with Christ, wherefore that I discovered and showed to them also, And when I had traveled through these three chief points of the Word of God, about the space of five years or more, I was caught in my present practice and cast into prison, where I have lain above as long again to confirm the truth by way of suffering as I was before, in testifying of it according to the Scriptures in a way of preaching, When I have been preaching, I thank God my heart hath often all the time of this and the other exercise with great earnestness cried to God that he would make the word effectual to the salvation of the soul, still being grieved, lest the enemy should take the word away from the conscience, and so it should become unfruitful. Wherefore, I did labor, so to speak, the word." as that thereby, if it were possible, the sins in person guilty might be particularized by it. Also, when I have done the exercise, it hath gone to my heart to think the word should now fall as rain on stony places, still wishing from my heart, O that they who have heard me speak this day did but see as I do what sin, death, hell, and the curse of God is, and also what the grace and love And mercy of God is, through Christ, to men in such a case as they are, who are yet estranged from Him. And indeed, I did often say in my heart before the Lord that if to be hanged up presently before their eyes would be a means to awaken them and confirm them in the truth, I gladly should be contented, for I have been in my preaching, especially when I have been engaged in the doctrine of life by Christ, without works, as if an angel of God had stood by at my back to encourage me. Oh, it hath been with such power and heavenly evidence upon my own soul, while I have been laboring to unfold it, to demonstrate it, and to fasten it upon the consciences of others, that I could not be contented with saying, I believe and am sure. Methought I was more than sure, if it be lawful so to express myself, that those things which then I asserted were true. When I went first to preach the word abroad, the doctors and priests of the country did open wide against me. But I was persuaded of this, not to render railing for railing, but to see how many of their carnal professors I could convince of their miserable state by the law, and of the want and worth of Christ." for thought i this shall answer for me in time to come when they shall be for my hire before their faces never cared to meddle with things that were controverted and in dispute amongst the saints especially things of a lowest nature yet it pleased me much to contend with great earnestness for the word of faith and the remission of sins by the death and sufferings of jesus But I say as to other things, I should let them alone because I saw the engendered strife and because that they neither in doing nor in leaving undone did commend us to God to be His. Besides, I saw my work before me did run in another channel, even to carry an awakening word. To that, therefore, did I stick and adhere, never endeavored to, nor durst make use of other men's lines, though I condemn not all that do. For I verily fought, and found by experience, that what was taught me by the Word and Spirit of Christ could be spoken, maintained, and stood to by the soundest and best-established conscience, and though I will not now speak all that I know in this matter, yet my experience hath more interest in that text of Scripture than many amongst men are aware. If any of those who were wakened by my ministry did after that fall back, as sometimes too many did, I can truly say their loss hath been more to me than if one of my own children, begotten of my body, had been going to its grave. I think verily I may speak it without an offence to the Lord. Nothing hath gone so near me as that, unless it was the fear of the loss of the salvation of my own soul. I have counted as if I had goodly buildings and lordships in those places where my children were born. My heart hath been so wrapped up in the glory of this excellent work that I counted myself more blessed and honored of God by this than if He had made me the emperor of the Christian world, or the Lord of all the glory of the earth without it. O these words, he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for ever and ever. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. These, I say, with many others of a like nature, have been great refreshments to me, have observed that where I have had a work to do for God, I have had first, as it were, the going of God upon my spirit to desire I might preach there. I have also observed that such and such souls in particular have been strongly set upon my heart, and I stirred up to wish for their salvation, and that these very souls have, after this, been given in as the fruits of my ministry. I have also observed that a word cast in by the by hath done more execution in a sermon than all that was spoken besides. Sometimes also when I have thought I did no good, then I did the most of all, and at other times when I thought I should catch them, I have fished for nothing. I have also observed that where there hath been a work to do upon sinners, there the devil hath begun to roar in the hearts and by the mouths of his servants. Yea, oftentimes when the wicked world hath raged most, there have been souls awaked by the word. I could instance particulars, but I forbear. My great desire in my fulfilling my ministry was to get into the darkest places of the country, even amongst those people that were furthest off of profession. Yet not because I could not endure the light, for I feared not to show my gospel to any, but because I found my spirit leaned most after awakening and converting work, and the word that I carried did lead itself most that way also. Yea, so have I strived to preach the Gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. In my preaching I have really been in pain, and have, as it were, travailed to bring forth children to God. Neither could I be satisfied unless some fruits did appear in my work. If I were fruitless, it mattered not who commended me. But if I were fruitful, I cared not who did condemn. I have thought of that. He that winneth souls is wise and again. Lo, children are in heritage of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man soar children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath filled his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. It pleased me nothing to see people drink in opinions if they seemed ignorant of Jesus Christ and the worth of their own salvation, sound conviction for sin, especially for unbelief, and an heart set on fire to be saved by Christ, with strong breathing after a truly sanctified soul, that it was that delighted me. Those were the souls I counted bless, but in this work, as in all other, I HAD MY TEMPTATIONS ATTENDING ME IN THAT OF DIVERSE KINDS, AS SOMETIMES I SHOULD BE ASSAULTED WITH GREAT DISCOURAGEMENT THEREIN, FEARING THAT I SHOULD NOT BE ABLE TO SPEAK THE WORD AT ALL TO EDIFICATION, NAY, THAT I SHOULD NOT BE ABLE TO SPEAK SENSE UNTO THE PEOPLE, AT WHICH TIMES I SHOULD HAVE SUCH A STRANGE faintness AND STRENGTHLESSNESS SEIZE UPON MY BODY THAT MY LEGS HAVE SCARCE BEEN ABLE TO CARRY ME TO THE PLACE OF EXERCISE. Sometimes, again, when I have been preaching, I have been violently assaulted with thoughts of blasphemy and strongly tempted to speak the words with my mouth before the congregation. I have also at some times, even when I have begun to speak the word with much clearness, evidence, and liberty of speech, yet been before the ending of that opportunity so blinded and so estranged from the things I have been speaking, and have also been so straitened in my speech as to utterance before the people, that I have been as if I had not known or remembered what I have been about, or as if my head had been in a bag all the time of the exercise. Again, when as sometimes I have been about to preach upon some smart and scorching portion of the Word, I have found the tempter suggest, What, will you preach this? This condemns yourself. Of this your own soul is guilty, wherefore preach not of it at all. Or if you do, yet so mince it as to make way for your own escape, lest instead of awakening others, you lay that guilt upon your own soul, as you will never get from under. But I thank the Lord. I have been kept from consenting to these so horrid suggestions, and have rather, as Samson, bowed myself with all my might to condemn sin and transgression wherever I found it. Yea, though therein also I did bring guilt upon my own conscience. Let me die, thought I, with the Philistines, rather than deal corruptly with the blessed word of God. Thou that teachest another, teachest not bow thyself. It is far better that thou do judge thyself even by preaching plainly to others than that thou, to save thyself, imprison the truth in unrighteousness. Blessed be God for his help also in this. Have also, while found in this blessed work of Christ, been often tempted to pride and liftings up of heart. And though I dare not say I have not been infected with this yet, Truly the Lord of His precious mercy hath so carried it towards me that for the most part I have had but small joy to give way to such a thing. For it hath been my every day's portion to be led into the evil of my own heart and still made to see such a multitude of corruptions and infirmities therein that it hath caused hanging down of the head under all my gifts and attainments I have felt this thorn in the flesh, the very mercy of God to me, have had also together with this some notable place or other of the word presented before me, which word hath contained in it some sharp and piercing sentence concerning the perishing of the soul. Notwithstanding gifts and parts, as for instance, that hath been of great use unto me, though I speak with the tons of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass, and a tinkling cymbal. Tinkling cymbal is an instrument of music, with which a skillful player can make such melodious and harked inflaming music, that all who hear him play can scarcely hold from dancing, And yet, behold, the symbol hath not life, neither comes the music from it, but because of the art of him that plays therewith. So then the instrument at last may come to naught and perish, though in times past such music hath been made upon it. Just thus I saw it was and will be with them who have gifts, but once saving grace they are in the hand of Christ as the symbol in the hand of David. And as David could, with the symbol, make that mirth in the service of God as to elevate the hearts of the worshippers so Christ can use these gifted men as with them to affect the souls of his people in his church. Yet when he hath done all, hang them by as lifeless, those sounding symbols. This consideration, therefore, together with some others were, for the most part, as a mole on the head of pride and desire of vain glory. What, thought I, shall I be proud because I am a sounding brass? Is it so much to be a fiddle? Hath not the least creature that hath life more of God in it than these? Besides, I knew it was love should never die, but these must cease and vanish. So I concluded, A little grace, a little love, a little of the true fear of God is better than all these gifts. Yea, and I am fully convinced of it, that it is possible for a soul that can scarce give a man an answer, but with great confusion as to method, I say it is possible for them to have a thousand times more grace, and so to be more in the love and favor of the Lord than some who, by virtue of the gift of knowledge. Can deliver themselves like angels thus therefore i came to perceive that though gifts in themselves were good to the thing for which they are designed to wit the edification of others yet empty and without power to save the soul of him that hath them if they be alone neither are they as so any sign of a man's state to be happy being only a dispensation of god to some of whose improvement or non-improvement they must when a little love more is over give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead this showed me too that gifts being alone were dangerous, not in themselves, but because of those evils that attend them, that have them, to wit, pride, desire of vain glory, self-conceit, etc., all which were easily blown up at the applause and commendation of every unadvised Christian, to the endangering of a poor creature to fall into the condemnation of the devil. I saw, therefore, that he that hath gifts had need be led into a sight of the nature of them, to wit, that they come short of making of him to be in a truly saved condition, lest he rest in them, and so fall short of the grace of God. He hath also cause to walk humbly with God, and be little in his own eyes, and to remember withal that his gifts are not his own, but the church's, and that by them he is made a servant to the church and he must give at last an account of his stewardship unto the Lord Jesus. And to give a good account will be a blessed thing. Let all men therefore prize a little with the fear of the Lord. Gifts indeed are desirable, but yet great grace and small gifts are better than great gifts and no grace. It doth not say the Lord gives gifts in glory, but the Lord gives grace and glory, and blessed is such an one to whom the Lord gives grace, true grace, for that is a certain forerunner of glory. But when Satan perceived that his thus tempting and assaulting of me would not answer his design, to wit, to overthrow my ministry and make it ineffectual as to the ends thereof. Many tried another way, which was to stir up the minds of the ignorant and malicious, to load me with slanders and reproaches. Now, therefore, I may say that what the devil could devise and his instruments invent was whirled up and down the country against me, thinking, as I said, that by that means they should make my ministry to be abandoned. It began, therefore, to be rumored up and down among the people that I was a witch, a Jesuit, a highwayman, and the like, to all which I shall only say God knows that I am innocent. But as for mine accusers, let them provide themselves to meet me before the tribunal of the Son of God, there to answer for all these things with all the rest of their iniquities, unless God shall give them repentance for them, for the which I pray with all my heart. But that which was reported with the boldest confidence was that I had my misses, my whores, my bastards, yea, two wives at once, and the like. Now these slanders with the other I glory in, because but slanders foolish or knavish lies, and falsehoods cast upon me by the devil and his seed. And should I not be dealt with thus wickedly by the world, I should want one sign of a saint and a child of God. Blessed are ye, said the Lord Jesus, when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. These things, therefore, upon mine own account, trouble me not. No, though they were twenty times more than they are, I have a good conscience. And whereas they speak evil of me, as an evildoer, they shall be ashamed that falsely accuse my good conversation in Christ so then what shall i say to those that have thus bespattered me shall i threaten them shall i chide them shall i flatter them shall i entreat them to hold their tongues no not i were it not for that these things make them ripe for damnation that are the authors and abettors i would say unto them report it because it will increase my glory Therefore, I bind these lies and slanders to me as an ornament. It belongs to my Christian profession to be vilified, slandered, reproached, and reviled. And since all this is nothing else, as my God and my conscience do bear me witness, I rejoice in reproaches for Christ's sake. I also calling all those fools or knaves that have thus made it anything of their business to affirm any of the things aforenamed of me, namely, that I have been not with other women or the like. When they have used to the utmost of their endeavors and made the fullest inquiry that they can to prove against me truly that there is any woman in heaven or earth or hell that can say, I have at any time, in any place, by day or night, so much as attempted to be not with them and speak I thus to beg mine enemies into a good esteem of me. No, none I. I will in this beg relief of no man. Believe or disbelieve me in this. All is a case to me. My foes have missed their mark in this. They're shooting at me. I am not the man. I wish that they themselves be guiltless. If all the fornicators and adulterers in England were hanged by the neck till they be dead, John Bunyan, the object of their envy, would be still alive and well. I know not whether there be such a thing as a woman breathing under the coats of the whole heaven, but by their apparel, their children, or by common fame, except my wife. And in this I admire the wisdom of God that He made me shy of women from my first conversion until now. Those know, and can also bear me witness, with whom I have been most intimately concerned, that it is a rare thing to see me carry it pleasant towards a woman, The common salutation of a woman I abhor. It is odious to me in whomsoever I see it. Their company alone I cannot away with. I sell them so much as touch a woman's hand, for I think these things are not so becoming me. When I have seen good men salute those women that they have visited or that have visited them, I have at times made my objection against it. And when they have answered... That it was but a piece of civility, I have told them, it is not a comely sight. Some indeed have urged the holy kiss, but then I have asked why they made bulks, why they did salute the most handsome, and let the ill-favoured go. Thus, how laudable soever such things have been in the eyes of others, they have been unseemly in my sight. And now for a wind-up in this matter, I calling not only men, but angels, to prove me guilty of having carnally to do with any woman save my wife, nor am I afraid to do it a second time, knowing that I cannot offend the Lord in such a case, to call God for a record upon my soul, that in these things I am innocent, not that I have been thus kept because of any goodness in me more than any other, but God has been merciful to me and has kept me, to whom I pray that he will keep me still, not only from this, but from every evil way and work, and preserve me to his heavenly kingdom. Amen. Now, as Satan labored by reproaches and slanders to make me vile among my countrymen, that if possible, my preaching might be made of none effect, So there was added hereto a long and tedious imprisonment, that thereby I might be frighted from my service for Christ, and the world terrified and made afraid to hear me preach, of which I shall in the next place give you a brief account.